Release the Geek, the official podcast of Geek XP. Curse your sudden but inevitable betrayal. Question me, Rose. Run for your life. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, wherever you happen to be. Thank you for taking time out of your day to join us for Release the Geek, the official podcast of Geek XP. Gina Nelson is a young South African developer who became enamored with the computer game industry and quickly decided that this was the creative career for her. After working with local game development company Luma Arcade, based here in Johannesburg, Gina set off to the UK to seek her fortune and has landed the role of art lead for London game studio The Secret Police fantastic name, a company that comes with some very impressive credentials. In late 2017, Gina, as part of the Secret Police team, launched their first game, Dragon's Watch, a fantasy RPG game with over 700 heroes to collect and evolve through multiple levels as you attempt to rescue dragons in order to save the kingdom. On Monday, GeekXP will be posting a full review of the Dragon's Watch game itself, plus details of a competition just for Release the Geek listeners. We'll be asking a question in that article, but you'll only be able to get the answer to that question on this podcast. Podcast. The answer is Tin Fingers. That's Tin Fingers, T-I-N. Check out geekxp.co.za on Monday, 26th of Feb to find out more about the competition and how you could win something very cool in the Dragon's Watch game. But back to Gina, who was kind enough to share with us her path to geekdom, how she fell in love with both art and games design, and the secret behind the amazing soundtrack to the Dragon's Watch game. We pass this over to Franku and the Diva for their rating. Franku, what did the Diva have to say? The Diva has enjoyed this podcast and rates it... Completely salt-free. Thank you kindly to both Franku and the Diva for that rating, but for now, without any further ado, please join me, Les Allen, as we release The Geek with Gina Nelson. And now, we're releasing The Geek. You're chatting about something like the artwork that I see behind you. I see artwork right. over your right shoulder. Is that all constellations? Yes. That's, uh, those ones are constellations yes. that my sister-in-law did. Mm-hmm. That that one I did. Um, it's it's really big. It's, um, it's very big. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. It's sort of... Oh, I'll point my camera up a bit. Oh, hey, that's like very that. cool. Do you it's not, got a face. Yeah, I was going to say, the, the eyes watching you doesn't creep you out a little bit? Uh, no, no, I just don't look at him. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> uh, Gina, what, um, Gina, what was what was your path to geekdom? I'm, I'm going to assume that you are a geek. What was your path to geekdom, right. and how did it start for you? Uh, well, it's it's sort of a little bit strange, actually. Um, basically, I, I I grew up in a house where we, you know, my our house was filled with art. It was filled with music. And uh, exposure to things like comic books and games was, it's just not something that came into our house really. Um, until at some point, sort of walked past the, the Outer Limits comic book store in Melbourne, ah, right. uh, which, is where, which is where we stayed. And at that time, a lot of different things sort of happened at the same time. So I found that and I was like, oh my God, comic books, amazing, that's a thing. Um, and at a similar time, uh, I, I was introduced introduced to Diablo 2 by, mm. by one of my friends, 
Um, uh-huh. And we didn't have a computer really at home to play on or anything like that. So uh, except except for our homework computer, which was a, a Pentium four and not a very good machine. <laughs> um, but I, I played this game at, at my friend's house, and I was like, "Oh my god, this this is a thing! People mm-hmm. and people have made this thing, and, and that sort of is what started things off for me." So your first your first computer was it your first computer game that you really played? Yeah, very definitely. And um, I, I'd actually gone at some point and uh, I spent my pocket money and I, I went and I bought this game. And, it, you know, it was it was sort of full of pentagrams and scary things. And uh-huh. I, I was really scared that my mom would find out. Uh-huh. So I, I installed it hidden on on our homework computer, <laughs> um, hoping that she'd like never find out about mm-hmm. it. And, and, and I played it. When when no one was home, and mm-hmm. one day she 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 formatted the computer before I could finish the game. Oh. It was a really heartbreaking moment. <laughs> oh no! What character did you have? Oh, I played as a necromancer. Oh. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> I was a, I was about to make the point that it's it's sometimes odd when there's a a fear or a reaction to something like pentagrams or something like that in a game. When generally you're playing the good guys who are trying to to save the world, and that, that you're not using them, <laughs> and then you tell me you're a necro, so you're a dirty necro. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> what uh, what interest you interested you at Outer Limits? Did you start getting specific comics? Were you a regular there? Oh, I was an absolute regular, but I, I didn't have any money uh-huh. because I was still at school. Sure. So uh, I did. I sort of just spent a lot of time there reading comic books and not mm-hmm. buying anything. <laughs> and occasion, I mean, they let me do it, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. But occasionally, I I sort of skip lunch at school and and buy comic books instead. Wow. Um, yeah, so I have I have a lot of those comic books here, sort of just lying around. I haven't looked at them in a very long time. Does this mean that um, you you brought them over? Sorry. Did you? Does this mean you brought them over to the UK with you? I did. I did. Oh. I've kept all my comic books. Excellent. Any fa- any particular favorites? Uh, I got very into Supergirl at some point. Right. Um, <laughs> uh, a, a, lot, a lot of people think that's a bit lame, but oh. I, I basically just think she's really misunderstood and and not everyone gets her, but sure. I, I feel a connection with okay. Supergirl. <laughs> gotcha. A connection? What, uh, what uh, as in... Like being misunderstood. No, no, just just in um, not. I don't know. She's a girl and she's cool, and I like to think I'm a girl who's cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, a girl who is designing and programming and coding her own game. Yeah, that's that's pretty cool. Did you? Were you well, art I, based? I wish at, I could code. Oh, okay. <laughs> were you art based at school? Did uh, did you have an artistic bent? What did you do at school? Yeah, it was all, uh, art was pretty much all I cared about at school, but okay. I, I loved school. So, you know, all the usuals, history, English, mm-hmm. all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but art was always my focus and, and I was always going to do art for games, definitely. The moment I discovered Diablo 2, basically, mm-hmm. that that was it. I knew that's what I wanted to do. When How did your parents feel about, uh, were they supportive in your art? Were they supportive in... The decisions you wanted to make? They were 100% supportive in my art. Um, 
I actually, the, the way I managed to get into games really was because my 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 dad is a composer and he was he was oh, wow. writing music for a local animation studio and um i'd ended up sort of having to go with him a few times and wait around and it turned out that that studio had a gaming studio attached to them wow. uh, so when i said i i wanted to do this they they were absolutely supportive they didn't quite understand it at first because we didn't have games in our house it just mm-hmm. it wasn't a thing so uh, in the beginning, we thought that maybe I would go the route of like working in film or, or advertising or something like that. But mm-hmm. I, I was very adamant, and um, now they know all about games. <laughs> well, I was going to say it's very hard to to try and motivate when you've been keeping your gaming hidden from your phone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I really like these games. We never see you play them. Um, okay, yes, but but I do. It's a secret. <laughs> my secret life <laughs> <laughs> it's very cool though that you the moment you saw this this is what you wanted to do uh did you go on and do any tertiary studies in your artwork i didn't um there are a few reasons for this and one of them being that at the time the only courses in gaming that were available were with private private colleges mm-hmm. and um firstly they they charged a fortune and secondly, majority of what they taught was software. Right. And having spoken to a lot of people at, for instance, at this gaming studio and at the animation studios, as people always said to me, software is not the thing that makes you good. You right. can you can learn software. You can learn, it's just buttons. You can learn software online. You can learn all these things. But, but what will make you good at your job is being able to be a good artist. Right. So... Instead of instead of going and studying games, I um, I applied to study art at Vits and and I got right. in, and uh, but I didn't go. <laughs> um, I I ended up uh, taking an internship with a animation with an animation course, um, which unfortunately two weeks in lost its funding oh, and no. um, shut down. Uh, yeah, it was, it was horrible. It was, it was really stressful. Um, so I sort of went and, uh, I begged this games company to, to let me in and, Mm -hmm. uh, let me just kind of hang about and learn on the job. Mm -hmm. And, and that's what happened. Like an unpaid internship that developed into something. Yeah, exactly. That's very cool. How long did you... How long did you have to spend being unpaid before they uh, they took you on? Uh, well, uh, basically my entire time there and until I left. Oh, no. <laughs> so, uh, you know, at, at the time I I didn't quite realize um, how things should be done, but mm-hmm. um, really I, I learned more than anything anywhere from being there and mm. from the constant fear of of being let go. Sure. So. <laughs> Um, so it was okay. Being in a effectively in a company environment then, and you're now having to work with these people, and this is this is now a job. What was the first main uh, dream that was busted by the practicalities of the job? Well, to be honest, I absolutely love my work. Mm-hmm. I really do, and. Um, there, there, there's a few things. 
not everyone's job is great mm-hmm. and uh, not every day at work is great. Mm-hmm. I do a lot of scheduling, um, things like that. And one of the first things you learn, uh, maybe one of the hardest things, is that, um, especially with art for games, and probably probably applies to film and advertising, all of that as well, is that mm. the work that you do is not your work. So the art I create doesn't belong to me. Mm-hmm. It's not an expression of myself. Right. It can't necessarily be how I want it to be. Mm-hmm. It has to be practical and it has to work for whatever I'm creating it for because it's a product at the mm-hmm. end of the day and it needs to sell. So one of the hardest lessons you learn really is that you can spend two weeks on something mm-hmm. and then have someone, have your director or someone look at it and go, no, we can't use that. Wow. Throw it out. Um and learning to be, to not have an attachment to your work, that's, sure. that's definitely, that was definitely the biggest, the biggest lesson. Especially if it's not your work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. At what definitely. stage did you decide, uh, you knew you wanted to work in video games. What mm-hmm. made you decide to start doing your own thing then? I thought, well... I've always done my own thing. The company I work for now is 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 not my own. Um, I've just mm-hmm. I, I joined at a really good time when when things are starting up. So I've sure. been there from the beginning, mm-hmm. and it feels a bit like my own now, mm-hmm. which is nice. Um, but I mean, doing your own thing is always that's always part of the dream, isn't it? Yeah. So hopefully, I'm hoping that one day. I'll still be able to do a project that really is 100% mine. Sure. Um, but we'll, we'll get there. Okay. So the project that you're working on now, tell me more about that. Mm-hmm. So currently um, I'm working on Dragon's Watch, which we've actually just released at mm-hmm. the end of last year. Um, so it's fresh out there. Uh, we're a really small team. The game is a mobile, mobile RPG. Right. Um, you basically just, you go around and you you fight baddies mm-hmm. and collect things and more than anything it's it's a bit of a collection game so collecting okay. heroes leveling them up sure um, and yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> that, and that's that's it really <laughs> and it's just been released how long how long was the development process uh, for Dragon's Watch the game was in development for three years mm-hmm. so I've been on I've been on the game for just over two years now most of us have been but uh the founders of our company they mm-hmm. they they've been working on it for three years sure it's yes long long process mm-hmm. especially for a mobile game sure. it's, it's a very complicated game <laughs> <laughs> how did you find your way to the secret police which is the 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 company that's brought the game out yeah um it's also quite quite sort of an interesting story that um Basically, the the company that I was at before this, we were having a lot of downtime, and I was I was feeling very demotivated in my mm-hmm. work. So I ended up going to this absolutely amazing digital arts conference called Trojan Horse was a unicorn, mm-hmm. and it it really is just the most incredible experience where where I met a lot of people and sort of got sure. very you know rejuvenated and and motivated to do something more creative again and one of the people I met there ended up um, introducing me to to the secret police basically who were 
looking for for an artist. Okay, so they were looking for somebody. When you started speaking to them, how clear was it? Was it very easy for you to understand what it was they wanted? Oh, not not at all. <laughs> <laughs> um, I basically I. I mean, I, I play a lot of RPGs, but mm. I never played a mobile RPG. Okay. And I definitely never played a Japanese mobile RPG, which is what this game is based on. So when I spoke to them, I, I knew the art style they were looking for was something very sort of anime, chibi, mm -hmm. but uh, Western interpretation of that. Mm -hmm. And uh, I've definitely done a lot of learning as I've gone along. Um, but I think what we have now is, is really unique and I definitely understand the genre at this point. <laughs> <laughs> what was your first big challenge uh, when it came to adapting the art style? Oh, adapting the art style was fine. Mm. Um, I think one of the things we found was that the art earlier on in the game, we've, we basically went back and redid a whole lot of it. Uh, because right in the beginning of the project, we were sort of trying to trying to do something that it was a bit different, but had basically been done already. And mm -hmm. as as the process went on and developed, um, it's it became something really unique and something really unique looking. So you can see that it's inspired by Asian games, but it's definitely not an Asian game, and it's not something you'll find in Japan. Um, and I think. You know, that, that is something that's quite special. So let's allay people's potential worries. This is available on iPhone, Android, and it's yep. definitely for a Western market. Oh, it's definitely for a Western market, although it has done very well in Asia at the moment. Oh. In Korea, we have a lot of players, which is also good. Wow. So the, the game has already launched. It was launched at the end of mm -hmm. uh, 2017. And it's yeah, already picking correct. up uh, quite a following in Asia when it wasn't really intended to be. Yes, it's so that's it's it's really good. It means we've done we've done our job very well. Um, the plan of the game was always that you know that there there are a lot of JRPGs out there and and the games themselves are really good. But I don't know if you've ever played any of these Japanese games and Asian games and they're, they're sort of really overwhelming and difficult mm -hmm. and playing them is you know they, they very often don't pick up on on this side of the world because people look at them and go oh my word what what is going on i i don't understand so what we tried to achieve with this game was really to make something that had the same level of complexity and depth but that was definitely more approachable right. and a lot easier to understand so i think the reason it's being picked up in, in Asia and being played there is because we do still have that complexity and that depth, but we've hopefully fixed a lot of the things that made it difficult to understand. So okay. people here and people in the West are playing it and really loving it. I'm having a look at the, uh, the website now, www.dragons.watch. Seven, yeah. over 700 heroes to collect. Yes. <laughs> how, how many of these fell your way? Um, I, I did just under 300 of our heroes. Um, that's still pretty sizable. 
it's, it's, it's a lot. And that's from start to finish. So that's working from, you know, creating the concepts to creating the actual character and animating the characters, doing all the VFX for them. It's, wow. it's been quite a big job. Now, the uh, from initial concepts, uh, with these mm-hmm. uh, that the rest of the teams came up with, I mean, 700 of them. They've each got to have their own idiosyncrasies, their own animations. You can't really... And players are smart. They're going to know when you've reused something. Uh, we, ha- we haven't reused anything. Yeah. Um, at some point, we had this big plan, and we sort of thought, well, we'll make a whole lot of templates and, and mm-hmm. work from those. And then eventually, we've you know we've we've had a really I've had the pleasure of working with this amazing art team. We've we've really had a good team, and at some point, everyone just realised that actually working of templates was taking longer than just making things from scratch um, instead of trying to repurpose things. So so all all our heroes are, are really unique. So the idea of taking a template character and adjusting them in different ways was actually a longer mm-hmm. process than coming up with something from scratch. Yeah, that's what, that's what we found anyways. Uh, it was just, you know, sort of changing things, adjusting things. It just didn't always work, and you'd spend more time trying to get something to look right instead of just instead of just doing it from the beginning. Wow. Um, and with us having done so many of these characters... <laughs> We, we can make them pretty quickly at this point. So uh, it's, yeah. <laughs> of 700 heroes, how mm-hmm. many, and you've designed over 300 of them, any particular favorites? Oh, definitely some favorites. <laughs> yes. um, not even necessarily my own. Ah. Um, yeah, um, we've, we've, got, we've got so many. We've Actually, one of the things we did was we saved... We saved some of our favorite characters and um, we've excluded them from the game for now and we're sort of keeping them as as, as special characters to give away uh, if if we ever if we ever need them for anything oh wow okay that's very cool uh, so the the game is now the game's now launched and if you're you're holding mm-hmm. you've got some content back is mm-hmm. Is this going to be, are there going to be further levels being added on or is the game finished up as it is? No, 100%. So uh, what we've done is we've got 14 different regions in the game. Mm -hmm. Each region is its own environment and comes with its own heroes. Mm -hmm. Um, And we've launched the game with seven regions. So we're slowly adding things as updates um, to hopefully keep people excited sure. about what we're doing. This is, uh, Secret Police is effectively the second, well, I'm presuming the second games development company you've worked with. You did that free internship here in Johannesburg. Oh, no. I, no? I've, I've done a lot more than that. Okay. <laughs> what was it? So what happened between the internship and Secret Police? Well, I did the internship, and mm-hmm. um, I was there for... I think two and a half years. Wow. Um, working on all sorts of things. After that, I, I ran away, basically. <laughs> sure. Ran off and worked for a um, simulations company doing military and mining simulations. Wow. Um, 
yeah, so very different. But this was obviously, this was still in South Africa. Mm -hmm. There weren't quite as many opportunities around at that time. Uh, Yeah, so I was doing that for a little bit. Um, At some point, I realized after modeling a lot of trucks and (laughs) tanks that um, I I absolutely hated doing 3D. (laughs) So... So I quit that mm-hmm. and said, I, I will never do this again. Um, <laughs> I have a, I have a game idea for you. Good. It's uh, it's tanks blowing up trucks. and. Uh, oh, my like. God. Sounds amazing. <laughs> <laughs> but let's not make that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So after, after the simulations company, how did you find your way to mm-hmm. the UK? Uh, well, my husband and I, we, we, we decided... You know, moving to the UK was something we definitely wanted to do mm-hmm. for a lot of reasons. And um, so uh, after the simulations company, I was working on a freelance basis for, for quite a while for Free Lives, right. uh, who made Broforce. Mm. And, you know, they, they're a wonderful bunch of guys and was working for them. And I just sort of realized I've, I've worked with a lot of people in South Africa, but... Mm. I wanted to do things that were bigger. Mm-hmm. And um, at that time, there just wasn't very much going going on. So sure. the UK seemed like a good idea. Mm-hmm. Everyone speaks English, for oh, one. Right. Um, yeah, so that, that that was it. That was the decision. It was a career career choice, really. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Now, you're, you mentioned earlier that your father's a composer. And I'm mm-hmm. guessing that a game like Dragon's Watch is going to need some some pretty hefty atmospheric music. Tell me that you that you got in here. My dad did do the music for the game, mm-hmm. uh, which is absolutely wonderful, and we have some really really great music in there. Um, yeah, it was really exciting to be able mm. to work with him. I always had wanted to work with him. Mm. Um, and he he pitched for this game just like everybody else. Oh, right. And okay. the, decision, the decision wasn't mine. I, mm. I put him forward and I sort of said, I, I don't want to have anything to do with deciding whether or not he does the music. Yay, nepotism. You know, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's sort of a little bit awkward when you sure. go, hey, you, know, you want to use my dad? He's, <laughs> he's really good at this stuff. And yeah. put people in a bit of a weird position. Yeah, well, when, um, you say it, but, when you say it like that, Gina, yeah, hey, look, why not use my dad? He's he can yes. do stuff. Yeah. Now that's not the be- that's not the best pitch you could have made. No, definitely not. So um, I sort of you know let let him do his thing and put it forward to to everybody else, and mm-hmm. everyone loved what he did. Um, one of the things that actually one of the things that stood out was often with with mobile games, the first thing you do is turn the music off mm. because it's it's often firstly really awful (laughs) and uh secondly a a lot of games especially rpgs on mobile use very orchestral music which is all synthesized and it it doesn't sound good Mm -hmm. it doesn't sound good and and i said to my dad what i really want with this game is for people not to turn the music off Mm -hmm. immediately so when he did the pitch for us he he used all acoustic instruments. Wow. And when we listened to all the music from different composers, composers who had 
been writing music for games, you know, BAFTA-nominated composers. My dad has never worked on a game before. That was the thing that stood out, was that it was all actual instruments that were being played, and mm. it sounded amazing. So, you know, I, I hope that people are enjoying the music, because I, I think it's really wonderful. Well, that that sounds fantastic. Does it? Did he... Uh, you've got 14 separate areas. There are seven areas that are currently available. So every mm-hmm. area would have its own theme. How yeah. how tightly... Talk me, if you could talk me through the, the design process here, because you've got yourself and the art team coming up with the concepts. Mm-hmm. You've got level design. You've got region design. And then you've got to work with the... Your, your dad. You've got to work with the music guys. To, to mm-hmm. try and make all of this work. How how often did the teams meet together to work through these things? Oh, I I, I spoke to my dad about the music every day. Um, part of the reason for that was that at the time that he was composing the music, we'd not made the environments yet. Oh. So all he had to work on is <laughs> a bit strange. Basically, what, what I did was... I'd done concept art for all these different environments and we had a few concepts for characters and what I do, um, oh, the other thing I had was I had mood boards. I'd done mood boards and color palettes for each region. So right. I sent him all of that sort of little package for each region, said him region one, this is the mood board, this is the concept art mm-hmm. and here are a few references of the kind of thing that we like. Um, the sort of feeling that we want to get in that, and then right. and then I'd sort of leave him alone, and then he'd come back to something, <laughs> and and I'd be like, either like, no, this is this is really not it, or yes, we like that, keep doing that. Right. Um, but yeah, for most of it, we didn't even have the the art done before we had the music, but oh, wow. it all came together really well. There wasn't uh, any much a requirement to. Um to change stuff once it, once it all came through? There was a little bit of back and forth, partly partly because he, well, he'd never done music for games and I'm exceptionally complicated. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, you know, everything he did for us was really great, but I, I, I'd make a lot of changes just, just because, you know, he's my dad and it's kind of nice being in a position where you can, tell your parents what to do sure <laughs> did you did you lord it over him a little bit uh, a little bit <laughs> <laughs> dad you're just not getting it right you don't understand me wow you actually took like yeah. teenage <laughs> angst into the workplace and made it effective that's great <laughs> yeah and it works you know it's, it's fine <laughs> it's a lot of the whole like Oh my God, Dad! Just you know, use Google. <laughs> that that sort of thing. <laughs> when it comes to when it comes to this is a three year project. So when it comes to the the end goal, I mean, it it can feel a long way away. Mm-hmm. How how does how does the team dynamic work in that way? That guys, we know we've got a particular timeline. We might be pushing it out every now and and now and then. How does a development team handle that it could be quite a few years before we see this thing in action? Well, um, the initial plan for the game was definitely not for it to take this long. (laughs) Um, (laughs) uh, We're sort of, you know, 
a year and a half uh-huh. over what we planned. Sure. Um, but the project itself, and it's definitely, it's not finished yet. We're all working very hard on it and mm-hmm. we will be for for foreseeable future. But a project like this is something that everyone ended up really caring about. It's it's not just, it's not just our jobs. Mm-hmm. Everyone has put so much into this. So at some point it, it wasn't really about scheduling and mm. planning and saying this is the date by which we're releasing. It, it was more of a case of us being able to go, okay, it, it is good enough and we need to let it go now. Right. Um, yeah, really, we, we, we could have carried on working we, on this for months before releasing it. But, you know, we had a lot of people playing it saying it's, it's better than a lot of things that get released. Mm-hmm. And even though we're still going to work on it, you just, just need to let it go. It's like right. that song from Frozen. <laughs> <laughs> now, the the rollout, uh, so you've got your seven regions. I'm guessing that's where if people are playing it, they're saying this is really good. You, you draw a line mm-hmm. at that point and say, well, we can release now, and we've got a product that will keep people busy for a while. How long do you mm-hmm. think it would be before we see the other seven regions? Well, we've released Region 8 just before Christmas. We did okay. that. And uh, Region 9, we are we are hoping to have in very, very soon. Mm-hmm. So we've sort of got a little bit of design work that still needs doing with that. But hopefully we'll have that in soon. And then I suppose probably every few weeks release a new region. Every uh, few weeks? We do have. Okay. Yeah, probably every few weeks or once a month, something mm-hmm. like that. I, sure. I don't want to commit to anything in case <laughs> sure. you start getting hate mail. <laughs> sure. um, <laughs> but that's sort of roughly the plan. And in between all of that, we have a lot of other things coming as well. So we've got runes, which we're working on at the mm-hmm. moment. It's a whole big system to be able to equip uh, your heroes with runes, mm-hmm. um, which will really change the game quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And one of the other things we're really working on is is pvp so oh. at at the moment we've got a beta version of pvp in the game mm-hmm. and um it needs a lot of work sure uh, <laughs> so that's that's hopefully something people will get really excited about as we keep adding to it sure well I, you said every couple of weeks i thought that was that was really quick as a turnaround time i was thinking that maybe They'd be dropped once a month, once every six weeks, once every two months, um, or through the duration of 2018. But there's also mm-hmm. other features in the game, like you've said, PvP and uh, mm-hmm. and runes, that there's going to be plenty of uptake here all the way through. Then, when do you start on Dragon's Watch 2? This is a very good question. Um, <laughs> oh, I was just kind of, I'm fishing here. I wasn't intending that to be a legit question. Uh, I, I have no idea. <laughs> Just think about this one for now. <laughs> well, actually, from a from a, a design perspective, uh, mm-hmm. you could keep enhancing the current game, but then there's mm-hmm. always new tech, new options that you could you can move into a new game in its own right. That sometimes it gets to the point where we cannot keep adapting the current thing that we have. To keep making yeah. it better, we've got. We, uh, there comes a point where we've got to start it new. Of course, of course, definitely. But I think one of the things with this game, and uh, one of the things we've seen with other games in the genre, is that you know, very often with mobile games, people play them and they finish them, and then that's it. This is a game we want people to play for years. Mm-hmm. It's 
it's a game we want people to carry on playing for a very, very long time. Sure. So we, we need to be there for our players. We need to be there doing updates, improving the game, adding things. And, uh, and I think we're going to keep doing that for mm-hmm. ages. How but hopefully it's going to turn into something really good. Uh, excuse me just a second. I'm just going to cough. Sorry. That's all right. My apologies on that. Uh, Franco. Franco is our sound guy, and Franco, you feel free to just cut that out. That's that's fine. I'm just leaving him a voice <laughs> note. Uh, <clears throat> sorry, Franco. I, I apologize, buddy. When it when it comes to the the team process, and you, you've you've worked with other developers from a freelance perspective, from from an intern perspective, what did you see? How did you see the team at Secret Police change? As things progressed forward, were there, t- were there tangible things that happened that were different at the company as, uh, as things progressed? Our team didn't actually change all that much, to be honest. Uh, when I started, we had, um, we had, we had another artist who had sort of set the groundwork for the game and he moved on to doing his own thing, mm-hmm. uh, which, you know, like we said earlier, is always the dream. Sure. We've had a few We've had a few people come and go, people that we felt just weren't right uh, for for the team, mostly, and not just the project. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the most part, it's, you know, the team that we currently have, uh, we've pretty much been there throughout, throughout the whole project. Right. What was the celebration like when you launched? Uh, honestly, it was, it was very... Um, underwhelming (laughs) so you know it's launching launching a game like this is um well the week before launch was really stressful it was all it was it was very very stressful it was horrible (laughs) so when it when it launched you know it's not we we didn't have a big huge marketing campaign or Mm. fireworks anything like that it was just kind of like We'll push it to the app store, and then maybe someone will play it. Let's see what happens. Um, <laughs> so expectations were kept to a very minimum. Yeah, very much, and and everyone just kind of was really quiet. Um, but the days after it launched, that was something very different because people started playing the game, mm-hmm. and people started writing to us. And people started sending reviews and videos and, you know, leaving comments. And and suddenly it had gone from being something that was just ours, that we'd been working on and all of that, to, to belonging to our players. And, mm-hmm. and that's been really wonderful. Has there been any surprising feedback about uh, any particular characters, your artwork? Um, what's the feedback been on your work? Uh, people, people have loved. People have loved the art. I actually had a comment earlier today. Um, I can find it for you. Here we go. In which somebody said, "Seriously, the art in this game is amazing." Gina, Sophie, and Elvira, and I thought that was cool. That was, you know, that's our players sending us, sending us things, and that's awesome. So, is that not? It really uh, warms my heart. <laughs> is that not motivation for a pay rate? Look! Look at what the players are saying. I, I need more money now. <laughs> uh, what, what more money is is always is always a nice thing to have. But un- unfortunately, we need our game to make money before we can have right. more money. 
No, that, that's, that's, that's fair enough. So anybody who is listening that does play Dragon's Watch, uh, in, I'm guessing in-game spend is a factor. In-game spend is a factor, but, mm-hmm. but just to sell it a little bit, we, we don't Ooh. put up a paywall at any point. So you mm-hmm. can, you can play the game without paying, but just remember that, that if you do buy things, it, it will pay my salary and, and, and let I'll, you eat. I'll keep making cool things and, and eat food, which is good. Food's nice. Food's nice. So all of yeah. the people playing Dragon's Watch who really dig Gina's artwork, please understand that Gina needs to survive. So There we go. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? Save the cost of a coffee once a month and just throw it into some micro microtransactions. There you go. <laughs> That's exactly it. What uh, is – was there any – You've got a product out there and you're getting some amazing feedback and you've got people playing it and you've got a community that's building. Has mm-hmm. there been any part of this process that's been more satisfying than any other? Honestly, the best thing so far for me has been seeing people's response to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, people people love the game. They really do. And that's that for me has been, I think, the most satisfying. Mm-hmm. I mean, I sort of, um, when, when I interviewed for this job, one of the things that Harry asked me was what I had been most proud of in my career at that point. And, you know, I've, I've worked on, on 15 ship titles at this point. Wow. And I said to him that I don't, I don't have that thing. I'm not, I'm not really all that proud of anything that I've worked on yet. Mm-hmm. Everything I've done has just kind of been okay. Uh, but this this game is something I really am proud of, and mm. I'm very proud of our team, and I'm very proud of the work we've done on the game, mm. and I'm absolutely delighted that players are enjoying it. Sure. To talk from a, a more macro level for a, for a bit, as a woman in the gaming industry, effectively, it mm-hmm. would seem that the gaming industry... Um, you would like to think is one of the more egalitarians that it's it's based on your ability rather than mm-hmm. gender to get ahead. Have you have you had any particular issues with with gender being an issue, or has it always been look I can do this job and and then just kicking on with it? I've not had any issues, not at all, um, and I've actually had a lot of fights with. Uh, Angry feminists. Oh, <laughs> uh, on on this on this topic you're not supporting because their I, position. I really, a- absolutely, <laughs> um, I, I I really do believe that um, the only way to get past the issues, the gender issues, in a male-dominated industry, is mm-hmm. by turning them into a non-issue. Sure. So I will never see somebody disagreeing with me or anything like that as you know, be, me being a woman, I, mm-hmm. I happen to be a woman, but I'm good at my job and, right. and I'll, I'll fight people on the basis of, of being good at my job and not on a, on a gender basis. Sure. And, and I think I've, you know, I've earned the respect of my peers. And if, if they have thought less of me at any point mm-hmm. for being a woman, then, you know, that's too bad for them, but I really don't care. Sure. <laughs> When it comes to people who might be up and coming uh, games developers uh, in South Africa, you mentioned that there were fewer opportunities when you were here. There's now there's some some games companies that are starting up. We've interviewed uh, Robot mm-hmm. Wizard, 
with uh, Django. There are other companies that are starting to to sprout up. Mm-hmm. What advice would you be giving to anybody who's trying to break into the field, especially in South Africa? You know, you know the region. You know challenges mm-hmm. that that are here. Would you advocate moving overseas? What sort of advice would you give to somebody who wants to break into this industry? I think that at this point, you know, since since I left South Africa, which honestly wasn't even all that long ago, a lot of things have changed. Mm-hmm. I know there's a, a great gaming course at Vits now. There's mm-hmm. a lot of developers popping up everywhere. And I think that people in South Africa have really got a unique opportunity over there in that it is a new industry mm-hmm. and it's 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 buzzing. Right. Um, you know, the thing in the UK is we've got a lot of studios. We've got hundreds of people working in games and we've got hundreds of people every year trying to get into the industry. Mm-hmm. So the actual number of opportunities that there are are probably far less than you may right. think. Whereas in South Africa, I think it's probably a lot easier to make noise and mm-hmm. to be heard as somebody going into the industry. If, if you start a new studio in the UK, you know, to actually get noticed is... Mm. I think quite a hard thing, but starting a studio in South Africa, doing your own thing, mm. if you know if you put the work in, it it will get you to where you want to be. Yeah. There are uh, there are few barriers to entry in South Africa in, in being able to get your thing started up. Um, the mm-hmm. idea that oh no, I must go overseas because that's where the markets are. The offside of that is that it's really competitive. These are established markets and mm-hmm. you've got to now fight yep. against people who may be much more skilled than you are. Not even necessarily people who are much more skilled than you are. The the market here is so saturated. Mm. You know, we, we get a lot of job interviews, I mean, not interviews, applications from people who have got qualifications in game art and, you right. know, Game, game art specifically, that's like, to me, that's a bizarre thing to have a qualification in because, mm-hmm. you know, you should be studying art and not right. game art necessarily. And uh, a lot of these people who have been through, you know, the process of studying and are probably in loads of debt with student loans are unfortunately unemployable because mm-hmm. their work just isn't good. Um, a qualification is not always going to make you good. Being overseas is not necessarily going to give you better opportunities. The way that you make things work for yourself is by looking at who's out there, mm-hmm. who are the best of the best, and trying to get yourself to that level, trying to make a game that stands out. Mm-hmm. And if you can make a game that's really good, that, that genuinely is a good game, it's mm-hmm. it's going to be fine. Mm-hmm. It's, it's Regardless be fine. of where you Most are. Things Exactly. Most things are online these days. You know, the internet has connected the mm. entire world in in a way that's just amazing. And you don't need to be you don't need to be here to make it. You really don't. Gotcha. Right. Jeanette, we're uh, we're getting closer towards wrapping up the the episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, we kind of just actually touched on it now, like the ideas of. A bit of uh, a bit of advice that you might be able to give to creators in this particular field. However, from an artistic perspective, there's there's always people who are um, trying to make a living with their artwork anyway, inside outside mm-hmm. gaming. The, 
you're right. The idea of a art for gaming course sounds very opportunistically niche. Um, yeah. When there could be <laughs> when there could be much more to be done with your art, and then have it translated into to other points. Uh, I'm thinking of a guy like John Avon, who does a lot of the、mm-hmm. artwork on Magic cards,、uh, a、mm-hmm. lot of the fantasy artwork. So it was his artwork that that came into the game rather than trying to develop something opportunistically niche. If that was if that's correct.、Mm-hmm. What. What one piece of advice would you give as a creator, as a as an artist in your own right? Is there a one pearl of wisdom that you would give to any other creators listening that、uh, they might be able to take away with? I think never, never stop learning.、Mm-hmm. Never ever reach a point where you think that you're good enough, because that is when you stop learning. Right. Uh, becoming really skilled at something, it, you you need to practice. You need、mm-hmm. to study every single day,、um, and that's that's how you become good. That's、sure. how you become good. And and if you're able to create something that is good, people will see it.、Mm-hmm. People will see it. But、um, don't ever think. You know, don't 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 ever think that you're at a point where you can't learn anything more, and this is just how it is. Keep keep practicing,、uh-huh. keep learning. Look at what other people are doing,、um, because learning from one another is is really important. Gina, thank you so much for your time. I really do appreciate you spending time with us.、Uh, we wish you all the best with Dragons Watch. We'll be、uh, we'll drop some promotions around it on this side、um, and help spread the word. Uh, in South Africa, so maybe we. Brilliant. I don't think we'll have the market size of Asia, but、uh, maybe we can get a couple <laughs> of downloads going for you here. That would be absolutely wonderful. Thank、awesome. you so much for talking to me today. No, absolutely. Shaka free. That was release the geek, the official podcast of Geek XP. What the chain of command is, it's a chain I go get and beat you with till you understand who's in rut and command here. To contact the show, you can email us at release the geek, one word. At geekxp.co.za. Thanks for listening. I'll be back.